Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Give First Podcast. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. It's David Cohen, and I'm here with my good friend, Andy Sack. Welcome, Andy. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. It's been a while. I know we catch up once in a while, and you've uh, you've been up to lots of fun things lately. But for those listening, maybe I'll let you provide a little context of who you are and maybe how we know each other. I'm Andy Sack. I live in Seattle, wife and two kids, been in the tech industry as an entrepreneur, as a angel investor and venture capitalist for 25 years. Most recently, I was involved with Techstars for a little over five years. I have a seed stage fund called Founders Co-op in Seattle that I'm a venture partner in, that I was co-founder of, and I consult at Microsoft on innovation. So Andy, the story I usually tell people when we first really met pretty early on and we were thinking about working together, you have a story about, I think, being back in Boston and experiencing Techstars there and sort of realizing the power of it and and wanting to bring it to Seattle. I I wonder if you could share some of that story to get us started. Yeah, it's a a good story. I mean, it's a good story for me. I went back to my 20th college reunion. I went to Brown University in Providence, and I was there, and I had a great weekend and, you know, 20 years of seeing old college friends. And on the tail end of that, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but it was the first weekend of Techstars Boston. I want to say first class or second class. I can't recall. And so Sean Broderick, who I had also known from shortly after college, uh, Sean was the first MD in Boston. And he was like, oh, why don't you come by? And so I did and ended up giving a talk to the Techstars Boston class. And it was supposed to be one hour and three hours later, after talking and answering questions, I left the building and I was moved to tears as I left the building. I think I even cried during the Q&A, mostly because it was just an emotional weekend from the alumni, but also it brought back building my first real company in Boston, which was a buzz, which I was able to successfully sell to the New York Times Digital. And that success, I would not have been able to achieve that without a lot of help and mentorship from a lot of people, most notably Brad Feld. And so I left the building. I called Brad in tears and said, hey, man, this is awesome. If you want to do this in Seattle, I'm in. I think after that, Brad shortly connected me to, to you, David. Yeah. So this was, I mean, just for time frame, right? This must have been 2010 or somewhere in that zone. 2000. Yeah, 09, because my graduated in 89. Techstars was operating in Boulder and, and in Boston, and that was it, right? And 
you sort of said, would love to see this where I live in, in Seattle and champion the, the idea that we would come there. And to me, a, a huge expression of give first to the community. I remember it really not being about the money for you, just being very much about you know having this in your community. Talk a little bit more about you know your motivation at that time and why you thought it would be powerful for Seattle. Yeah, so I come from the Boston ecosystem and I had known Sean, I had known Brad. There was actually a group of entrepreneurs You know, Brad's always played a role fostering community. There's a group of us that had breakfast, Warren Katz, et cetera. And the venture ecosystem in Boston was pretty vibrant. So then I moved to Seattle in 01. And the venture ecosystem in Seattle compared to Boston at the time was lame. (laughs) It was lame duck, both from a capital perspective as well as a ecosystem and mentorship perspective. It was just well notches below both San Francisco and Boston. And so I moved for personal reasons. My wife is from Seattle. And so I just really wanted to, you know, build support for entrepreneurs from a mentorship perspective and from a capital perspective. So I had this tiny venture fund, a $5 million venture fund at the time. But I had a bunch of other fellow entrepreneurs who were trying to make a go of it in Seattle. At the time, I remember Paul Graham had just launched Y Combinator. You had just launched this. I was actually going to do basically a competitive product for Seattle. And I just decided it made a lot more sense to partner with you and Brad. So a couple years into it, I guess two years into it, you had the 2011 class of Techstars, which I was recently blogging about the first dozen or so you know, unicorns that came out of the Techstars accelerators. And I didn't even notice it as I was blogging it. But in the comments, somebody said, wait a minute, three different unicorns came out of one Techstars class in Seattle in 2011. And I actually had not even realized that. I mean, I knew it was a high performing class of 10 companies, but it's never happened since or before that moment that you had three companies that were billion dollar plus companies that came out of the one class that you ran just two years into it. By the way, there were other really great companies in that class, right? That some are still going that just an amazing quick turn from let's do it in Seattle to, wow, we have this really powerful thing happening. So maybe describe that period and maybe that class a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's both describing that class, but also, um, I mean, Techstars was, was a super nascent organization. So at the time we had just expanded to New York and Tish was running New York. It was New York, Boston, Boulder, and Seattle. Seattle had run one class the first year, great group of entrepreneurs But the outcomes from that first class were not great. I think we lost money as a class. I'm not sure what made... I mean, this class was phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal looking back on it. At the time, you know, when these things start, it's impossible to know whether you've got a dud or the next Amazon on your hands. And it turns out we had three unicorns in the midst. At the time, the one company was called Remotive. That is now called Zipline. Remotive was a mobile phone robot that... Now today is Zipline, which is the leading drone company delivering medical supplies predominantly in Africa, but has just gotten clearance to deliver supplies and deal with Walmart. That's the first unicorn. The second company was Beamit, and today is called Remitly, doing payments worldwide, uh, mobile-first payments worldwide. So if you want to send money to the Philippines, you can to your family in the Philippines, you can do that, and your family can receive it all via their app. And it's not just the Philippines, it's Mexico, it's all throughout Africa, it's worldwide. And then the third company at the time was called Group Talent, and today is called Outreach. All companies are valued over a billion dollars, and all companies have 
excellent CEOs and frankly, all have thrived during the pandemic in some weird way. It is crazy how some companies can really just take off. But as you said, I mean, there were seven other companies and great entrepreneurs that we're still in touch with maybe doing their next thing or some of them still running the original thing. So Andy, if you think back to that moment, right? Techstars is new in general, but very new in Seattle. How did you get so many people in the community to want to just give their time, right? Because you organize an amazing group of mentors who help these companies succeed. How did you sort of facilitate that? Why do you think people wanted to give their time and energy to these startups with this unknown brand in this unknown place? I mean, the origins of my relationship with you and Techstars and me being grateful for the mentorship and support that I got, like I just got it about, I personally emotionally, deeply, profoundly connected with the mission of Give First and Techstars. And so from the get-go, I think I was the first class to, I approached all the venture capitalists in Seattle that had real funds, not including mine. Mine wasn't a real fund. Basically, it was the first deal that all venture capitalists in Seattle participated in. So I had a good support of the capital community. And that involved Greg Gottesman and Eric Benson from Voyager. Greg was from Madrona, Dan Levitan from Mavron, Trilogy. So they all threw in. It wasn't a lot of money, but they all threw in to support Techstars Ignition, Michelle Goldberg at Ignition. And if I'm leaving anybody out, thank you. So the capital community came together. I didn't know it at the time, but that was a really smart move, both from a deal referral aspect, as well as from a post-class perspective, support of the companies. At the time, like I had just come off a company that I had shut down and lost 50% of my investors' money. So I had had success and failure as an entrepreneur. And I just had a good network of entrepreneurs who were trying to build. And so I think my story resonated with them. And I was able, I knew the, who they, those people were, and I was able to pull them in. In addition, it was such a dearth of activity of support in Seattle that it was such a needed element that I think it resonated with people. So I want to dig into a couple of those people you mentioned or points, but it it seems like at that time, my understanding of Seattle, and, and obviously you were much more in it than I ever was, but it seemed like the firms there at that moment in time, you know, around 2010, weren't really doing deals together. It was almost like, hey, we're competing with each other and there was something about that moment that got them working together and actually investing in the same type of activity together. And I think it's really evolved since then. So from your perspective, is that right? Do you think that the firms there are now think a little bit more collaboratively and sort of think about the ecosystem more holistically than they did a decade ago? I would say somewhat, yes. I probably would not have made that statement as clearly as you did. So maybe from afar, you're able to see it better than I am. I mean, I remember actually the original pitch it was actually an important distinction because when I had my venture fund and I, I had sort of in my mind made up that I was going to do a similar program that arguably was going to be competitive with Y Combinator and Techstars. And I decided that it was for a host of reasons that it was a better decision to partner with you. I think that decision, when I went to the venture capital community in Seattle, it was important that it was not called Founders Co-op or related to Founders Co-op. I was like, this isn't about my fund. And so it was not about me or my fund or me trying to make money. I think people got that the ecosystem needed to be created because it didn't exi- it really didn't exist. So I would say Seattle at the time was lacking so much in entrepreneurial ecosystem support that I think people got like me not making it about me 
and partnering with you and making it about tech stars, I think that message got across. So I would say, yes, it played a role. I'm not sure that I would go so far as to say what you said. I don't think the venture capital community is particularly collaborative in Seattle. I'm not sure that the ecosystem is that collaborative really anywhere, but it's gotten a little bit more competitive and the ecosystem has definitely, there's more support for sure for entrepreneurs. I think Madrona's, they've got Madrona Labs, they've got a shared workspace, they've expanded beyond just being a siloed venture firm. Greg left and now has Pioneer Square Labs and they have a venture firm. So like there's been developments, good developments, both from a support system and the capital. There's more capital in the city. And I think people down in the Valley recognize Seattle as a as still an underserved community, but a vibrant place for for really great deals. And and our pricing was always better than Silicon Valley. So you mentioned Greg. That's an example to me of sort of the tree of maybe, you know, I know that you're in a line of people that have been working on the community for a long time, but I put him sort of in, in your tree in a way from my perspective, because you know, at that moment, I think Madrona was also thinking about building something like a Techstars or a Y Combinator. And you helped influence Greg and Madrona to, to sort of do it with Techstars. And when I think about the impact of that, today you mentioned Pioneer Square Labs. We're fortunate to be involved there. It's a huge part of the Seattle ecosystem now and more broadly regionally. And I remember Greg just, you know, being another great example like you of sort of give first, right? I mean, showing up and mentoring at all hours of the night. I, you know, I remember him just being there. I think he even took a desk there at one point for a while with you, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, and others did that in the community too. But I think the leadership of, of you and, and people like Greg was really contagious in that moment. So Yeah, no, Greg was, it. I mean, really all the partners. I mean, I met with Greg and Matt McElwain. And both of them, I think, they understood the need to support entrepreneurs. And they were gracious and generous in their time. Greg in particular act as the liaison between Madrona and Techstars. Trying to think if he was there. He was definitely there for this class. I don't think he was there for the first class, but he they invested in the first class. So I can't remember exactly when he upped his involvement. But yeah, I mean, and, and I think he even upped his involvement even more in subsequent years. And so I think people saw the impact that Techstars was having in Seattle and wanted to be involved and support it. And, you know, that tree is really amazing because Founders Co-op was going and you had Chris DeVore, who would later, you know, sort of come in and, and take over as managing director. You had people like T.A. McCann, uh, who, yep. you know, had, were involved early. And he's a, a super mentor across the tech store system. He shows up everywhere still and travels and maybe not right now during the pandemic, but he's one of the highest rated mentors across the tech store system broadly. I think about all these intersections that are really just because of our relationship. And it's it's so cool to think about how it's impacted tech stars and startups and also Seattle, which is just sort of amazing work on your part and getting it all going there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I played an organizing role. There were a lot of people and you've named a bunch of them. So uh, I'm grateful for all those people that you mentioned. You mentioned Chris and both Chris and, and Abiel Ginsburg played an important role in helping tech stars really in those early classes. And of course, I handed it off to Chris in year six. So maybe talk about some of your other activities. I mean, you mentioned Founder Co-op. You were involved in the creation of Lighter Capital, which has done great since then. You were starting stuff too during this time and you know getting it going. So maybe talk a little about those things. It was a really interesting time because, I mean, I think you remember Techstars was broke. 
I mean, when I say broke, it didn't have any money. Broke um, and broken, Andy. Yeah, yeah it was all yeah. those things. Yeah. I mean, it, it quickly became clear to me, even at that time, that Techstars was a passion project and a labor of love. It, it was not a moneymaker at the time. You figured out, the team at Techstars has figured out how to turn it into a real business. But it was a unique time because Techstars was sort of this project. It was a three-month class and it really took six months of the year to make happen like you know you had to start recruiting two months before i mean there was some work to do but there was six months where you didn't have a lot of work to do sort of like a teacher if you would uh, it was the seasonal employment if you would and so i had my venture fund but that also wasn't a money maker at the time my venture fund was a tiny i mean i can't believe i started a venture fund with that little money but that's also grown founders cope is now on fund five and some of the companies we were fortunate enough, there was a real nice synergy between Techstars and Founders Co-op. And so we would get to know the entrepreneurs and the companies. And then really, there was a Chinese wall, but Chris would make the investment decisions. So we were fortunate enough to invest in both outreach and remitly. We did not invest in Remotive. You know, Remotive is a really interesting story. Both Remotive and Outreach both changed. Their, they all changed their name, but Remotive and Outreach changed their name and pivoted. And then somewhere in there, I started Lighter Capital. I got really interested in royalty-based finance, which I thought was an interesting alternative way of funding early stage companies. And now Lighter Capital, we've invested, we have over 200 portfolio companies and have invested well over 150 million, 200 million in capital into predominantly tech. And it's a tech-enabled fintech company that provides revenue-based financing. And you know revenue-based financing because that's how you funded your first company. So we had that in common as well. Yeah. And it's an awesome ad. I mean, the structure around that and Lighter's grown and has done amazing now. And some of our companies have intersected because it's a different way to finance a company and it can be really much more responsible than venture capital in a lot of situations. So another great innovation. Yeah. I mean, maybe we go back to for a second to the point you mentioned, which is Back in that 2011 class, right, none of the companies have the same name. The unicorns have the same name that they had in the class. Two of them are really completely different businesses and really go to reinforce the idea that you're really backing the people that are high potential. They'll take it and figure out you know, where to go with it. But maybe dig into a couple of those stories because I don't think that Zipline is anything like what Remotive was other than Keller right, at that moment in time. And really, you know, Beeman and Remitly, same area of interest, but really different companies. I mean, I think Remitly stayed the course. I mean, they changed their name, but I think from a business perspective, that business was what was much the business that Matt came in and Matt Oppenheimer envisioned. I think the story of Zipline, these two guys came. It was actually, there was a little bit of a battle that I remember between David Tisch in New York. We both wanted this company, Remotive. Remotive, I think I mentioned, was a mobile-first robot and so there were two relatively young and inexperienced and super great entrepreneurs from Arizona, Peter and Fu. They had tinkered and developed this interesting robot that you could you'd put your iPhone on it and then a second iPhone could control it. So you could have sort of telepresence and it demoed really well. Looked really neat as a as a gadget. And then basically three weeks before demo day, they always talked about they, neither one of the guys, they were both developers. Neither one of them were CEO. Their CEO was busy rock climbing outside of Las Vegas. He actually was staying at Tony Shea's place down in Las Vegas. His name was Keller. 
And so I kept on hearing about Keller and I like these guys were going through the tech starts program three weeks before demo day Keller comes in. I immediately hit it off with Keller and Keller was sort of magical. He happens to be a Harvard grad. He was, he's a borderline professional rock climber. He had been sleeping on Tony Shea's couch and he flies in and basically within three weeks pulls the pitch together and is successful at raising a seed round, which I think you participated in. Tish participated in it. But it was, the company at the time was going to be a toy company. It was going to be a smartphone robot that sold as a toy, $199. They moved the company to Las Vegas because of the relationship of sleeping on Tony Shea's couch. They actually got an introduction to Sequoia. So they raised seed money. Sequoia funded them. And gave them a healthy amount of money plus the brand name of Sequoia. They then operated in Las Vegas as a toy company for a little over two and a half years and then pivoted. When they pivoted, it became clear that the toy company wasn't going to be a big success. They had to lay a lot of people off. But because of the Sequoia capital and the initial like sort of robotics, they had been able to attract some amazing talent. And so like a group of about I don't know if it was four or six amazingly talented people then went on and they were like, what do we want to be? And they, at the time, I want to say it was probably 2014. So six years ago, they turned to drones and they've raised $200 million. And they're, the, they're either the number one drone company in the world or in the top you know, two or three. Yep, for sure. And it's it's also cool to see all the good they're doing, right? Because the, what they're actually doing is, is yeah. delivering medicine and all that. You know, I tell the story similarly, Andy, but I usually say Keller came in 48 hours before demo day. And you know, I, I remember it a little differently, which is it was very last minute. We were all well, it, may have been, it may have been closer to your story. It was somewhere between 48 hours and three weeks. Maybe it was a better week, maybe it was 10 days. Better story. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that as a tip and tell it as two days. <laughs> But I, I just, we were all pretty worried about the pitch, but, you know, he came in and, and did an amazing job. Andy, you know, you, you've reached the point in the show we call rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions. Give me really quick answers if you have them, or you can say pass, but like to get a lot out in a, in a few minutes here. Any books that you would recommend every entrepreneur should read that have been really impactful to you? Crossing the Chasm. Great. How about a place in the world that you think everybody should visit before they die? I have three. Angor Wat in Cambodia, the Charles Bridge in Prague, and Little Compton, Rhode Island. And I apologize to all the people in Little Compton because it's a very well-kept secret. Not anymore. Not anymore. With the reach of this show, Andy, everyone will know about it. Totally. Um, totally. <laughs> Millions of people are going to show up. <laughs> going to show up on the same day. <laughs> How about this one? An organization or charity that you think people should really check out that's doing amazing work in the world? Tech for Teachers, I actually, uh, I'm going to have to get you the link. I call it Tech for Teachers, but that's not the official name of the charity. But they're basically buying, they've got teachers who are doing remote learning, have two main issues. One is they're operating off their laptop and the second is Wi-Fi. And they're basically providing a second computer screen to teachers so they can actually see their students while teaching. And it's amazing charity. So that's one. Rainier Scholars is another one that I'm involved with locally and rest, which is a charity that my friend Brent Turner works with and um, helps women on the street get out of troubled situations and abusive relationships and gives them a place to live. So there's three. Awesome. We will stick uh, URLs in the show notes for all of those and track them down. 
Last question doesn't have to be so rapid fire, uh, and, and I'll let you go. But you were a huge part, are a huge part of the Seattle tech ecosystem. You're now, as you mentioned at the top, sort of doing work with Microsoft. How do you stay connected to it? Do you want to stay connected to it? Do you miss it being your day-to-day? I'm sure a lot of people listening in Seattle are are wondering, will will we see Andy sort of supercharging more into the startup community again, like he was doing before, or is he sort of off doing other things now? So what's your perspective there? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm in sort of another transition. I'm not sure what the next chapter holds for Andy Sack. I continue to be an active angel. So my, my role is less public than it was both at Techstars and Founders Co-op. So I'm doing much more on my own book. And I'd just say, like, I think I did yeoman's work of carrying the weight and supporting the ecosystem. And I haven't left. I'm just in a, in a much quieter space. So I'm just not as public, but I continue to write checks and support entrepreneurs. And a lot of the relationships I have from Techstars, those CEOs I'm still in touch with. Andy, I, I know on behalf of everybody at Techstars and a lot of people listening, a huge thank you for all of the give first energy you've put into not just Seattle, but lots of places in the world and lots of entrepreneurs. I know there's a lot of grateful people out there. I'm one of them. And you are and will always be known as one of the godfathers of the Seattle startup community. And I think that's a forever thing. And so on behalf of everyone listening, uh, thanks for everything you've done and are doing. Thank you, David. And I'm grateful for the ecosystem. I'm glad it's really evolved as as much as it has. It's been wonderful to be part of and to to watch. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.